0: Room Conversations is brought to you in partnership with Dirt Path Publishing. What started as a small independent publishing house dedicated to publishing work for social impact now also includes coaching and editing services for writers, led by a small and mighty team of former high school teachers. These folks know how to have the hard conversations writers need to have in service to producing their very best work, and they know how to have those hard conversations with love. For more information about coaching and editing services for writers, visit DirtPathPublishing.com. Mrs. Pamela Wilson is my 3F mentor. First, favorite, and forever. We met when I was in high school, and even though she was never my teacher, she found a way to mentor me in a hundred other ways. When I returned to my high school to be a teacher, she took on her role as my mentor with new gusto, watching over me, planning lessons with me, speaking hard truths to me when I needed it. She also modeled for me what it is to learn from those who come after you, showing curiosity about the way I approached my work, seeking my advice and thoughts when she had challenges of her own. My first two years of teaching, we kept a journal together, writing to one another back and forth, dropping that journal in each other's mailbox at the end of each week as we eagerly awaited its return the week following. I was a terrible teacher in those days. I loved my kids, but had no idea what it meant to truly teach them. Pam knew that, and like any good teacher, she met me right where I was to usher me forward. Even then, she knew I was a writer, And that journal was the very best tool she could provide me to reflect, explore, emote, share, and learn. I have kept a journal about my teaching ever since, and I'm a better person, and educator, because of it. In truth, because of Pam. In this episode, we talk about the early years of our teaching and many of the years after, including an annual trip of colleagues she organized and supported for 20 years. I share the story of this group, the mobs in the season 1 introduction episode if you haven't listened to that yet please pause this episode and go do so it'll give you a depth of understanding for why i've chosen the guests for this season and why the very first episode simply had to feature pam pam is my soul mother a mother not by blood but by spirit she and i were both quiet shy children who struggled with anxiety and a deep desire to be loved like her I am strong and confident on the outside, and people are usually surprised to hear that I struggle with knowing my value, that I worry I'm not good enough, that I spent many decades killing myself, trying to be perfect, only to learn, in large part because of my students, that the job of this life is not to be perfect, it's to be whole. Pam and I grew into ourselves as teachers, finding most of the lessons we needed to learn in the classroom with and from our students. She was a role model for me when I was a student, as a young teacher, as a veteran teacher, and now as a middle-aged woman, just about the age she was, when she and the other middle-aged lunch bunch first got together. This episode is a love letter to her, just as the whole season is a love letter to my moms. In this episode, listen for how Pam continues to live her life, now approaching 80 and living 2,500 miles away having lost her husband, and engaged in the new learning of how to age gracefully. Listen for how she loves to talk about teaching, even now. Listen for the lessons of how to mentor, and how to learn from those that come after you. She sustained in this career for over four decades. The lessons she taught me and countless others as we waited for our copies in the copy room continue to sustain me to this day. Let's listen and learn. Remembering that we belong to one another and that there's no such thing as other people's children. So, welcome, Pam Wilson. You are my, I told everybody, uh, you're my three F's first, favorite, and forever mentor. That's sweet.
1: Thank you. It's very nice to be here with you and see your beautiful face, even though other people can't.
0: I'm so glad you're here. I just uh, this has been a long time dream, as I've mentioned to you before, and I couldn't do this without having you on first. You you had to be you had to be number one. So I'm thrilled you're here. Um, now I know some of this story, but I I, I want to just give some backstory to people who are listening and don't know you um, about. growing up, your uh, experience in school, how how all of that maybe informed you becoming a teacher and really what you see as your purpose as a teacher. You take us back.
1: Well, everybody who knows me now would not believe this, but I was a very quiet child. (laughs) Probably not around the house, but in school. I feel like I probably looking back, that it probably had to do with trying to be perfect. Mm. And if nobody could hear you, then you didn't really make any mistakes, did you? Mm. So um, at the end of first grade, my mother went in for a conference, and the teacher said, I think we should probably keep her in first grade because I don't know whether she can read. My mother said, what do you mean she can read? And she said, well, I can't hear her. My my mother, I probably am a lot my mother now, because my mother said, that's crazy. She can read and she's going to second grade. Good for but, her. Um, yeah. I, I, well, first I got the perfection from her, so good bad for her, but then yeah. good for her yeah. for standing up for me. Um, but, um, you know, I always got good grades, and but I was just this invisible child. And it was really, in, I can't say at the time that I thought about it, but I was really comfortable being invisible. Once I realized I had going to be a teacher, I thought, I have to raise my hand. I have to speak in class.
0: Oh, yeah. You know, since,
1: like, that would kind of be my job, right? Right. So I started, I made a deal with myself that I would raise my hand in every class one time. And, of course, those of you who are teachers knows what happens when the quiet child raises his or her hand. (laughs) Called on.
0: Yeah, always.
1: Yes. (laughs) Well, I mean, I've been guilty of that myself. So... um, (laughs) anyway so i did practice that strategy but i have to tell you you know it only took i mean it took me years to start feeling comfortable in the classroom and comfortable in the faculty room and then Mm. comfortable in school district-wide meetings Mm comfortable i don't know whether i ever felt comfortable in front of the school board i did give a retirement speech which i thought was pretty awesome so maybe i maybe i did get Eventually, comfortable doing that.
0: You're right. Anyone who knows you would be really surprised by that Mm -hmm. story. How, uh, like, what changed for you? Or did you just learn how to cope? Did your students have anything to do with you learning how to own your voice? I mean, when I think of you, you're a woman who knows her voice and knows how to use it.
1: And so I wonder how that, how did that evolve? I think that it just took time. For me, my trajectory went starting teaching kindergartner, kindergarten. Mm-hmm. And you know, it was one of the things it's like kindergartners, they just love their teacher. Yeah. And and who can, you know, at the time there were 32 in every class at least. Mm-hmm. And, you know, who doesn't thrive being loved? Right. You know, right. I mean, it doesn't mean it's easy. Uh, you know, they all had all the issues. And, um, We just didn't call them the things people call them now. Mm -hmm. Sometimes they wouldn't behave, you know, Mm -hmm. and that's just... But then also, again, it helped me because I had two children. Yeah. And so I knew that I had to set limits, and that helped me too. But I, I give all power to the students that I taught. During the summer, I started working in the Summer Youth Employment Program, and one of my strong things that I did was to work with a tutoring program. So high Mm -hmm. school kids would tutor these little kids who came in. So that combined what I already knew and then helped me start learning. I was like, man, these high school kids are fun. You know, it doesn't matter whether the kids are five or 18. They're fun. And it was a loose enough environment that I could get used to them. And so I was kind of getting irritated with uh, I was teaching self-contained seventh grade because San Lorenzo, you know, got rid of their junior highs I for a suppose, while yeah. so I um took the test to get in and luckily Joanne Knowles mm. some p- people may remember a long time ago she was willing mm-hmm. to take a risk on me of course she gave me like four preps <laughs> which at the time was like oh I taught high school, uh, elementary school it's four preps every day at least you know but oh yeah. my gosh and <laughs> you know when I went to the high school it was oh heavens to betsy what have i done Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. and i would come home and cry every Mm. day of course the kids wouldn't know this and sometimes my husband would come downstairs and go are you coming in the house (laughs) i don't know i think i'm coming in the house (laughs) so um i went to a therapist to get permission to quit teaching oh wow and he would not give me permission to quit teaching (gasps) And I took a um, class on what I should do for a living. And when I went to the wise person in the woods, I found myself conjugating helping verbs. Oh, my God. <laughs> I know. I was an English teacher, remember? <laughs> and then the, the, the class told me I should be a salesman. I said, I already am. I'm just selling a product that nobody wants. So I made up my mind to quit that first year. So this was my 17th year of teaching and June, I was going to quit. And so long about February, I said, well, that's, that's it. And I told a lot of people. Mm -hmm. And so I stopped, I didn't stop caring. I just stopped trying to be perfect. Yes. Oh, do we already see a little thread coming along through here? We do. Yeah. And I just started having a good time with the kids Mm -hmm. and, you know, lo and behold, they didn't learn less. Mm-hmm. Maybe they learned more, uh, you know, but I was having a good time and they, they were still fun and yes. funny and challenging and never boring. And, yes. you know, when I thought about, oh my gosh, am I going to quit and go work in Macy's?
0: Yeah. I'm sorry, yeah, yeah.
1: I no, do not mean to denigrate anybody who's working at Macy's, but, of course not. you know, boring. You know, the, teaching is never boring. That's all there is to it. So what anyway, year was so, this? that was um probably 84 84, 84. Or 85 i taught and 20 more years after that
0: i was going to i was going <laughs> to make sure that that was clear now yeah. i came to san lorenzo high school as a student in 1985 mm-hmm. so our little crew of kids you were all you, it was like you were always there except for the kids who had had you in 7th grade and right. then you know in the earlier yeah. years yeah. but you just were like A legend in your own world there even for us uh, just after a year how do you um when you think back to that time what strikes you as uh kind of the the most important thing you were learning from your students and i and i ask that maybe selfishly because that was my generation of kids coming through but um I wonder what they taught you because you were an English teacher, but you also taught some math, didn't you? I did. did you have one of those credentials so you could teach anything?
1: I guess it's what the students taught me mostly was that I could just be me. Mm. I didn't really have to be anything else. And it's just so easy to be yourself all day. It's also, I think, is try to find the lovable thing right off the bat really quickly. And, um, and
0: look for those quiet kids oh gosh yes yes and... you know what i found in coaching teachers is sometimes the teacher doesn't call on kids because she didn't like to be called on mm-hmm. and we carry our our stuff into the classroom right all of us whatever mm-hmm. our issue was or is it's going to show up in our teaching yeah and how we interact with our kids um Because you were a quiet student, did you, um, what did you do for those kids that you wish was done for you?
1: Well, I don't know what they're calling it now because education does the same thing over and over again with a little twist and calls it different things. Yes, yes, yes. But, you know, the think, pair, share Mm -hmm. would have made the world of difference to me. So I know early on I figured out. If I wanted to call on everybody, everybody should have a chance for an idea. So, mm-hmm. by high school, it was write, share, mm-hmm. and then I and then I have a right to call on you. Of course, I, I can't yes. tell you how many times uh, Nicole and Nicole would go. My hand wasn't up. I said, "But you now have at least two ideas: yes. you have your idea and the other person's idea." So share an idea, and see again. I never asked whose idea it was. Right. You know, right. so if you could share your own idea, but if you didn't feel like your idea was too great, and I said, you could say things like, well, you know, Nicole was saying something I really thought was interesting. And, you know, mm-hmm. it's those, remember when we started learning about the, the sentence starters? Sentence starters, to, yes. Yeah, yes. to help get them going on there. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, those strategies, what I really think is that it doesn't matter what grade you teach, because I go, I've gone, in my, you know, supervising student teachers, I've gone down to really young kids where kids are doing the same sentence starters that high school kids are doing. So mm. no matter what level, they have these little flip charts which they yes. can go to and, 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 and start, you know, they're holding them when they come to a discussion about a book. And um, so if we, if we can think about strategies that help all kids access mm-hmm. learning, And make them Mm -hmm. feel comfortable about sharing their learning, um, then you're gonna have a better chance. I don't think we should be afraid to try something that seems like they don't do well. Exactly. You know, at Mm -hmm. first, of course they don't do well at first. Because they don't know how. That's our job to teach them. I know, I know. Exactly.
0: Yeah, you know, know, and I, I, I I think that's what one of the many things I appreciate about you is that you see a problem. And you think backwards for how to Mm -hmm. scaffold towards solving that problem, right? And so you would never have wanted to be cold called as a child. And so what you did is you created a system where it was a warm call. Mm-hmm. right where the kids were well prepared mm-hmm. yeah. and you could call on any of them and it's a warm call it's a sign of i want to hear your idea your mm-hmm. I- your voice matters right and yes. so it's almost like you healed that little girl inside mm-hmm. by creating this opportunity for the kids that followed i think that's so
1: lovely yeah. could be very definitely i like the warm call i hadn't thought about that that's good see that's that's the, nice, that's the good way that education evolves is that sometimes the new name is really good, really describes yeah. what we're trying to do and helps people understand. Oh, a warm call. I understand. It's like a hug. Yeah.
0: Yes. Yes. And to, to be able to explicitly name that for the students mm-hmm. so they understand this is love, right? <laughs> if I didn't love you, I wouldn't call on you. I'm not
1: calling on you to shame you. Yes. I'm calling on you because I love you. I, I can remember a young man who came into my classroom and he had just been released from some sort of incarceration mm-hmm. and they told me that he could get um, park credit and he was a giant guy so imagine me standing you know, I've gotten <laughs> shorter and shorter but I was short then anyway <laughs> standing and he was like why are you bugging me and I said to him when I stop paying attention you, to you you know I don't think you're worth it anymore yes you know it's just oh, and why and why not be obvious about that yes and I mean, he was a giant junior i mean <laughs> you know it, you can talk to you can talk to five-year-olds like that and you can mm-hmm. talk to big kids like that big too. kids mm-hmm. yeah
0: yeah yeah so let's uh the, the theme of the season is mentorship and I'd like you to tell the story of the Malbs, M-A-L-B-S. <laughs> and then I want to hear from you not only how kind of the origin story, but really how it relates to this notion of mentoring up and mentoring down mentoring your elders and mentoring the ones behind you because a lot of times i think people when they think mentorship they think it's just me the elder helping mm-hmm. you the junior and i think the mobs, and we're gonna have everybody on this season all the mobs <laughs> that's all who we're gonna have because i i really want to unpack how special that experience is and how important it was for all of us in our work and in our lives. So tell us about them all. As
1: I said before, I um, went to teach high school, my 17th year of teaching. I must've been, oh dear, 26 and 17, it is that? Uh, 43, let's just say, For, okay. you know, early 40s. Early 40s. So, so when I went, I was the youngest one. And I'm telling you, there was not a warm welcome. Um, the, at the time, the culture of elementary school very different from the culture of high school. Mm-hmm. And at San Lorenzo High, that changed over time through mm-hmm. concerted efforts of many people. And I'd like to say I was part of that. You were absolutely one of them. Because it mm-hmm. was just like, you know, if you are a teacher and you take every Friday or most Fridays off because you need a mental health day, what does that do for me? That means I mm-hmm. have to give up my prep on my Friday, where I'm exhausted right. too, to go teach right. your class when there may or may not be lesson plans and you know the kids have already decided, oh, found out, yeah, so-and-so's out, so it's gonna be a day off for this hour. Mm-hmm. So um, I wasn't, it, things weren't exactly welcoming, and I went from faculty room to faculty room trying to find my, my crowd. <laughs> and I have to tell you, the original mobs were not in the crowd. You know, mm. there was smoking in the faculty lounge and I was not into that. So I ended up going where the boys were. And um, they were a little appalled that a woman would be in their, in their lounge. But too bad I wasn't. <laughs> you know, uh, I was, had been married to two boys and I had two boys. Just yes. not afraid of boys. That's all. Right right, 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 right. But as but this weird thing happened as the years went by, the older people retired. And mm. then pretty soon I was part of a more experienced generation. Mm-hmm. And, um, the younger teachers who were coming along, I mean, really we would have staff development day and the four of us would run off to lunch together. As we said, you know, the younger people don't want to talk about mustache hair. <laughs> you know, we, we have to have, I mean, at the time we only saw each other at school, you know? And so right. it was, um, uh, it was kind of like, we just have to talk about aging things. Mm-hmm. And well, the boys aren't inter- interested. and We certainly aren't interested in what the boys have to say about that either. And right, right. Um, it was just a way of just kind of be- to being 50, I would say. Uh-huh. And you might understand what that means. There's something now I'm approaching it and I <laughs> get that unique about being 50. Yeah. So we, we started going off together on the weekends. And so we would Um, We went up to Mendocino one time. We did go up to my brother and sister-in-law's cabin when it was a small cabin. I think it was you and Toby who approached us at some point and said, Mm -hmm. can we go to lunch with you guys? Yes, yes, yes. And we're like, well, yeah, sure you can. I mean, it's not, we're not, there are many people who thought we were a club, but we were not a club. So Mm -hmm. we were very, you know, sure, come on and go. So you all started coming to lunch with us. We did. And then there was the time when, um, um, uh, we were my I was scheduled to go to my brother's cabin with a, a bunch of well, with a bunch of people that were my peers, mm-hmm. my husband and friends of ours, and there was a cal football game on, oh. so uh my husband said he couldn't go because he had to go to the <laughs> Cal football game. So I put out an invitation to all the women on the staff, and again, some of the men got really upset about that, but I again did not care. <laughs> and um, so that's when the group started you know making trips away and there's something about being in the country or I mean well this is Yosemite in mm-hmm. Wawona and mm-hmm. walking around the um to the swinging bridge and back and enjoying mm-hmm. wine and sitting out on the deck and cooking from each other and um we could we couldn't stop talking te- teaching because we were mm-hmm. teachers it, mm-hmm. you know my husband would get mad at me sometimes He's like can't you even talk about anything besides teaching and well, yeah, I can, but I really like this stuff. Why would you? Yeah, right? So the So it started with the four
0: of you, yes. and it was you, Cheryl, Barbara, and who was the fourth? You, Cheryl, Barbara. Judy.
1: Judy. Judy, Judy Rosenberg. Judy. Yeah, and well, uh, I have to also, the Malbs, so everybody knows, yes. it's middle age, lunch, bunch. You were the Malbs. We were the Malbs, yes. and uh, you yes. know, and- what a weird word, and that's okay. And then when the that's other people okay. came along, you all became the juniors.
0: Right. So, Tovi and I, you were our mentor. Tovi, mm-hmm. now I knew you from 1985 to 1990 right. when I was at San Lorenzo High School as a student. Mm-hmm. Um, because of you, which is so interesting, because you were never my teacher, mm-hmm. but you were always around. You were I at was. all the leadership what a, what a stuff. Pain you in the neck. Were, yeah, you you helped with the plays. You taught me mm-hmm. how to dance when we did Greece. Like mm-hmm. we went to Ashland together. You yeah. were always the advisor for the Ashland. And so, it, it. I mean, I came back to San Lorenzo High School literally four years later. Yeah. After college to teach. Because I just felt so strongly that I wanted to be a part of something that created the opportunities that you all created for me. Mm. I, 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 I wanted to do that. I had a debt to pay. And like I could just get so emotional thinking about it because I wanted nothing more than to do for other kids what you all did for me. And so that very first Staff Development Day, Tovi, who is a new teacher, she was your student teacher, wasn't she? Yes,
1: she was. And then she got
0: hired on. We both Mm -hmm. got hired on the same year. And that very first Staff Development Day in August, um, you had connected the two of us Mm -hmm. because you knew that you were going to mentor us and that we would be friends, which we are to this day. And I remember Toby and I talking because it was like that morning and then everybody was breaking for lunch. And, you know, when you're the new kid, you're like, who am I going to have lunch with? Yeah, <laughs> we, exactly. And mm-hmm. so Toby was like, well, let's just ask Pam if we can go with them. And I remember thinking, oh, is that OK? Because I mean, really, <laughs> in large part, you were still my teachers <laughs> instead of my colleagues. But uh, we just muscled our way right into that MULB group. And then we became the junior MULBs. That's right. Which was so great. You didn't have to muscle too hard. We didn't. You were no. very loving and wonderful. So well, we I remember that first weekend mm-hmm. we all went up and there was probably twenty people there, yeah, wasn't there? There were twenty five people there. Mm-hmm. And then the next year it dwindled down to ten. And then that ten became the same group that went for do you know how many years we had we went?
1: Well, over twenty.
0: Every yeah. Veterans Day weekend for mm-hmm. twenty years, the ten of us went to Yosemite. And spend and then the sometimes weekend. on other times. Yeah. Sometimes in yeah. the spring too. Mm-hmm. That's right. Or in the in the winter even. Yeah. Um, what do you feel like? How how did that i that idea of having kind of mentors among your call uh, your your um, contemporaries, and then the young ones, the juniors, who are now all in our fifties, by the way. <laughs> um, how, how did that inform you professionally
1: and maybe personally? First of all, personally, I just feel like hanging around younger people keeps you younger. Mm-hmm. Not childish. I mean, I don't no. need to have a ton of younger friends. But I just don't see and feel age too much. I, first of all, I forget how old I am except when I'm walking around. But also, <laughs> you know, so it's just, just the personal vitality. The physical mm-hmm. vitality. And then I, I, there were so many of you who were um, doing your vision boards. Mm. And that was just such a foreign thing for me. And, I, I mean, I have I did kind of create a vision boards through the wildflowers. Mm-hmm. But it was never, again, I just couldn't get the blotchy thing. I had to do more linear, which mm-hmm. probably is the math teacher in me. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you were out doing, you know, I just love the purposefulness I felt like I felt fell into teaching, and that I didn't plot out my career. I just knew I wanted to be interested in what I was doing all the time. Mm-hmm, so if mm-hmm. I wasn't interested, it was time to move on to something else. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love the purposefulness, and then just the new ideas. You know, mm-hmm. Tovey and I had so much fun when she was my student teacher planning curriculum together. And I remember I was I'd taught of mice and men for a, a, a number of years, and she brought in. Dorothea Lang's photographs, and just Mm. a wonderful lesson, which is so open-ended for those kids that need that kind of lesson, Mm -hmm. and yet also brought the history to it. So it was just kind of like all these wonderful new ideas and coming straight from the the college, you know? It was just, and I was like, oh, you know, so I always use those photographs. Personal vitality and new ideas, and i wasn't done learning and mm. and being with you all made me not want to be done learning when you were
0: my mentor we kept a journal back and forth mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and it was so good for me and i remember you saying you know i've tried these journals with other people and they don't work you but have with to us, do it it worked perfectly
1: it worked perfectly for us cuz you like yeah. to write
0: I do. Well, mm-hmm. yeah, I guess that's true. But it, it makes me think that mentoring has a lot of similarities to, to teaching. Would, mm-hmm. you, would
1: you agree with that? Absolutely. It's just teaching someone who's grown up. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
0: What do you feel like the hardest thing was for you to learn as a teacher?
1: I just keep, had to keep reminding myself, don't take students' behavior personally. Yes. They come to your classroom with stuff you just don't know about. Mm-hmm. And somehow if you expect them to modify themselves to to you. I mean, yes I do but no I don't. It, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes, I you know, when you come to my classroom you should be on time, you should have your materials, I expect you to listen. And again, maybe this came from being a mom. Um, I sent my kids off to school in some bad frame of mind, Mm -hmm. you know, getting, getting kids, kids up in the morning, getting them out the door and try to get to work on time because a bell rings, you know, Mm -hmm. you can't really be late and, um, yeah, so it was kind of like who, what happened to them before they Mm -hmm. came to, go? maybe the last class, I mean, I've talked to kids and say, why suddenly is your grade going down? Well, they were having a really hard time with another teacher, mm. and so we worked on how help them find ways to solve that problem and to make that better. Well, I remember one girl who came into school, and she had gone to a, a high school where the high school classes were segregated, so the kids in the flats were in one class kinds of classes, and the kids who were in the hills were in other kinds of classes, and she oh was God. in the flats. And so all you had to do was be on time because the teacher locked the door. If you were not on time, then you couldn't come in the class. And then you would sit quietly and do the dittos. So she hits my class, you Mm -hmm. know, and suddenly she has to be able to write essays on Macbeth. Mm -hmm. So we spent a lot of time together, and she would say, oh, this is bad. It's the first of the month. Her mother would get paid and would go off and buy drugs and go to a motel and use them until the money was gone you know, so let's give her a break, huh? We just don't, we just don't know. I mean, and sometimes I would say that, you know, somebody would be yelling at me Mm -hmm. and I go, do I yell at you? Oh no. I said, well then let's just calm our voices down. Only emotionally involved I'm going to get is in loving you.
0: Yes. And caring about you. Oh my God. Yes.
1: I'm not going to get all involved because I think you're disrespecting me. I had a student teacher once that you know, the kids really say things to you that are very disrespectful. I said, like what? You know, Mm -hmm. like I hadn't been hearing it. And I said, well, you know, do you ever listen to how I talk to them? Mm -hmm. You know, we're just Mm -hmm. talking, you know, Mm -hmm. joking. And it never never gets, I just never thought about, I never said once to a kid that in my memory, well, that's disrespectful. They're Mm -hmm. just trying to preserve themselves. One of my favorite mentees who's now teaching um, English, Um, AP English at a Bay Area high school. Mm -hmm. Yeah. One time I said, will you please come up here? And we're doing some sort of grammar lesson. And she said, no. Oh. I know. The rest of the class gasped. (laughs) (laughs) And I, but you know, she was a good and serious student. And so I knew Mm -hmm. there was something else going on. Mm -hmm. And um, then I called the next student and he, of course, was a jokester. So he said no. And I said, get up here. Yeah. <laughs> and, and that, again, is another thing. It's like not all kids are the same. Yes. You know, and yes. the way you treat one kid is just you have to know exactly where to push and which to shove. And so mm-hmm. I had got them together doing something toward the end of the class, and I called her into the, into the room. And we, and we brainstormed things she could say besides no. Right. Right. You know, it could be, right. you know, I'm sorry, Mrs. Wilson, I wasn't paying attention. I'm mm-hmm. sorry, you know, I don't really understand it and don't feel comfortable. I'm sorry mm-hmm. I had a really bad day. You know, I mean, just this kind of thing. And, of course, the irony is I ended up helping her out during her student teaching. And one of my first observations that I had, <laughs> she had a rule where kids couldn't say no. And one of the kids said no to her. <laughs> I could hardly keep a straight face <laughs> in the corner. But she's turned out to be the most amazing teacher in a course where wow. she teaches. They love her because... Mm she was just really amazing. Mm-hmm. amazing.
0: Amazing. You know, what's so beautiful about that, what you said earlier about how uh, education twists a little bit of something, tweaks it, and then renames it, right?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You're describing mm-hmm. what the, the warm demander pedagogy mm-hmm. Right, This yes. idea that I can be warm and I can be loving and I can also demand your excellence because anything less than your best is not worthy of you. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I remember learning that from you as a student and I remember learning that from you as, as someone you were mentoring. Um, you know, those first few years were so hard for me. Mm. I was a disaster in my life. I was a disaster in my classroom and uh, and I remember you saying, okay, well, what are we gonna do about it? Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. no judgment, no shame, let's just like, let's work this out. And this notion of a child telling you no, that she won't go up and speak, and that you didn't take that personally and throw her out, right? Which some you people just, would. Some people Sadly. would, they call it one of the D's, right? Disrespect, mm-hmm. defiance, like this really subjective.
1: Oh. Jeez, I'm they, glad I don't know those words. <laughs> it's just
0: this notion of, you know, people um, getting offended when they don't need to get offended. It has yeah. nothing to do with you. This child is in pain, so let's let it ride. And um, But you always had firm boundaries. I mean, you mentioned you wrote referrals, and if you oh, didn't yeah. have firm boundaries, you wouldn't, you know, at some point, enough's enough.
1: Yes. One year I when I taught Beloved, um, I think it may have been, I don't know whether it's the first or second time I taught it, but it was... You know one of those two times and i always let my juniors and seniors pick their seats once a month and i had a talk with them about how you learn differently in different parts of the room so for mm-hmm. the freshman and sophomore i would assign seats and tell them this is why you know you were in the front last time now you're in the back and then mm-hmm. I'm, remo- I'm doing this i'm doing this intentionally so i asked them but this class was right after lunch and um These boys were late the day the people picked out their seats. So guess where they Mm. got to sit? Right under my nose. (laughs) Because everybody else had picked seats farther away. They were kind of like, oh, my gosh, look at us. Here we are. We're up in front. And Beloved is really is, you know, it's not, it, it requires a lot of attention Mm. to structure at the beginning. So yes. I insisted on I had a big chart and we they took notes and I stopped all the time and everything. Mm. And the first day, these four boys put their head down and I kept mm. going over and just kind of knocking on the you know proximity, you know So they already selected their proximity, didn't they? <laughs> so, so that that the, the lunch hour before the next class, I wrote out a referral. I filled, I filled in the name, the date, and um, I forget what else was on the furl, But I said on the thing, repeated sleeping in class despite requests otherwise. Mm-hmm. And I put it in the middle of the table. Mm. And they four of them came in. And I saw them kind of looking around at it. And, of course, the brave one, who turned out to be that very same kid who, you know, said, leave me alone, right? Oh, um, yeah. He picked it up. He said, who's this for? I said, I don't know yet. You will tell me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, they paid attention the whole time. Yeah. So yeah. there, I did have boundaries.
0: We've got two two more things that I want to um, talk with you about. One is just this idea that there's no silver bullet to fix schools, right? There's just not, there's not one thing we, and I think about it like a puzzle piece, right? We all have a puzzle piece and you're a puzzler. So I know you, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. We all have a puzzle piece that we have to be willing. We have to be brave enough to put down on the table with everybody else and then take the time to figure out how these pieces go together right we all have our own unique gift that we have to offer if we're really going to make positive change in schools i'm wondering what you think your piece was or is as you look back on your decades decades long career and then even when you retired you still continued to mentor teachers what do you feel like was your piece that you put that you left on the table
1: well, I, I think it's thinking about kids. Mm-hmm. Whatever structure we decide needs to be best for kids. Now, mm-hmm. it can't be best for all kids. So as we're thinking about structures, we have to... I, I, guess I learned this from Cheryl Canberra. As a special ed teacher, I thought she was also was started out with that well what about these kids the kids were mm-hmm. often forgotten in the mainstream mm-hmm. and then as an administrator she was so good about thinking about all kids mm-hmm. so there's not there should just be lots of different structures so i guess my my thing would be well all right let's take a look who's going to thrive in this school and then what about this child mm. you know over here i just a little boy up Two doors up just came by, and I thought he might come in and start talking to me, only he doesn't really talk. He just makes noises, and he's in mm-hmm. kindergarten. So mm-hmm. what about this child? Mm-hmm. You know, what, what is the best school for him? Is he getting mm-hmm. the best schooling that he can get that's moving him forward? Just It's about not being lured in by um, programs mm-hmm. that look good mm-hmm. and flashy, and only keep, keep your eyes on educating kids who are different.
0: Mm -hmm, mm -hmm.
1: and And, the individual uh, right our own individual humanity yeah yes yes i guess yeah that voice is so important because it's just too easy uh, nowadays people just really want to oh let's adopt this model because it's easy because it's already thought out
0: yes yes
1: there is no one model that works
0: i'm seeing that more and more too with curriculum like well if i just get the right curriculum oh my God, (laughs) I know, I know. And part of it is just because teaching is so hard. I mean, when you, when I think back to my early years of teaching and the less pressure that existed then compared to what our teachers are under now, I I have compassion for like just that desire to find the thing to give me a bit of a breathing room, you know, a bit of a break. It's tough. So um, at the end of every conversation we have, we're going to talk about your uh, 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 what you would offer me if we were in the copy room. I I think that, you know, this this podcast is called Copy Room Conversations because I think so many gems of my learning happened Mm -hmm. in that A-Hall copy room. Um, as we waited for our turn at the machine or as we were slicing our papers or whatever. So, so imagine this, I'm cutting strips of paper with a paper cutter, you're punching holes in your handouts, somebody else is running copies. What's one quick tip that you can offer us that will allow us to go into the first class of the day, a little lighter, a little smarter, uh, maybe with a little more love.
1: So you have to make your own joy. Mm. and I've done this in different ways. Um, there was a time in elementary school where I had a very difficult principal, and everybody mm-hmm. found him difficult. I found mm. him hilarious, but I used to torture him because <laughs> he was so easy to read, but still. So when I taught at that school, we were all really close, and, and so I would, on Thursday, I would go to the bowling league, and I would collect jokes. Mm. I'm not a normal, I'm not a natural joke teller. i I just do weird things, and that can be funny. But I would intentionally tell, collect jokes, and then the bell rang at like 8.25. So at 8.20, I'd go, okay, people, and I would tell a (laughs) joke, and the bell would ring, and everybody would leave the copy room laughing. Because can you imagine as you're a student and you see all these teachers streaming out of the teacher's room laughing? Yes, yes. And it's clearly a joyful laugh. The other thing is how I survived. One of my survival strategies from um, San Lorenzo High, I discovered in that year that I was trying to quit, that Mm -hmm. if Katrina and the waves, walking on sunshine, Mm -hmm. you, you could trace that and find out exactly when did I start at San Lorenzo High. Yes, yes, yes. Came on the radio, and I'm a rock and roller. So I figured out, wait a minute, you know, why do I have to wait for Contreated and the Waves to come on? I can yes. buy my own CD. And so I, <laughs> just as I would turn the corner going from Hesperian on to Llewellyn, I'd queue uh-huh. up walking on Sunshine and turn it up loud as it could be. And it could be like 6 o'clock in the morning. I didn't care. Yes. Yes. And i just play it and sing it all. There was time I had every. So I think every person should have a theme song. Oh, you know, something great. that just, you know, gets you going. And, you know, some people have looked at me and going, Okay, that's strange. I said, well, you know, maybe that isn't your thing. But it worked for me. Kept, yeah. Kept me teaching another 20 years. So, oh my God. There you go. And I, I still, if I, so if I hear much. Katrina in the waves, I still get up and dance.
0: <laughs> well, I, I can't thank you enough for being here today and for all that you've done for me in the last 35 years of my life. I'm so grateful.
1: Well, I'm grateful that we are still friends and we still keep in contact with each other, even though I moved 2,650 miles away.
0: You did. And,
1: um, and thank you for giving me a chance to talk about something that I, as you see, I still clearly love.
0: Copy Room Conversations is brought to you in partnership with Dirt Path Publishing. What started as a small independent publishing house dedicated to publishing work for social impact now also includes coaching and editing services for writers led by a small and mighty team of former high school teachers. These folks know how to have the hard conversations writers need to have in service to producing their very best work. And they know how to have those hard conversations with love. For more information about coaching and editing services for writers, visit DirtPathPublishing.com.